This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. It's key, it's vital, it's just too important. Unforgiveness is a hindrance. Now, there are people that will say, well, just look at how that devil treated me. I've forgiven how, I've forgiven him, but I will never forget. You haven't forgiven. You haven't forgiven. Now, am I saying that if you can still remember what happened, it means you haven't forgiven? That's not what I'm saying. When we talk about forgiving and forgetting, I'm not talking about having amnesia and losing your memory, but you refuse to dwell on it. You refuse to dwell on it. You let it go. Stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. I know that you can actually forget. I know that. Let it drop. Let it go. You hear people that say that I won't release her. I won't release him. I always laugh. You won't release who? The person that has gone, Tay Tay. You are holding yourself in bondage. You, you, you are the one who should release yourself. You are the one who is not released. See, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking somebody else will die. You are the one drinking the poison. It makes no sense. No matter what they did to you, no matter how they hurt you, you are now hurting yourself many times more by refusing to let it go. And the truth is this. It's a decision. When you stand praying, forgive. How do you forgive? Just act on that verse. God, you said I should forgive, so I forgive. Just stand up and say I forgive. When you stand praying, forgive, so you can forgive. You can forgive as easily as you can stand. Of course, you don't have to stand to forgive. But I'm just saying, don't complicate forgiveness. It's a decision. Sometimes the only way you will forgive some people is by faith. Sometimes your feelings will still feel bad each time you remember their name. Ha, ah, look at how you treated me. But you see, you are not a feeling, are you? You're a spirit. Feeling is the voice of the body. Reason is the voice of the mind. Conscience is the voice of the spirit. We walk by faith, not by our feelings. Let it drop. Let it go. It's a decision. Something that helps me with forgiving people is to pray for them. Matthew 5.44, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Just let it go. Just let it go. I never pray against my enemies. I pray for them. I see some of these things on Facebook. The people that say that this is this will not happen to you. Return to sender. That's, that's, that's devilish. That's not a godly prayer. That's not the kind of prayer Christians should pray. Don't hold it against them, Lord. Forgive them. I'm not holding it against them either. Let it go. You see, praying for your enemy will do you more good than it will do your enemy. In the Old Testament, it was okay to pray against their enemies, but not in the New Covenant. You see, in the Old Covenant, they are spiritual and regenerate. They didn't have the love of God in their hearts, but that's not so with us. The Bible says we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. So we can forgive. We should forgive. We should let it go. Actually, be quick to forgive. Be quick to believe. And be quick to repent. Quick to forgive. Quick to repent. Quick to believe. Let it go. Let it go. Now, there are some people, their unforgiveness is not towards someone else, it's towards themselves. Maybe there's a mistake they made that they have refused to let go. Listen, that's arrogance. Arrogance. You are just, you are just, your pride stinks. 
Are you listening? How could I have done that? A whole me, yes, a whole you, you did that. Let it go. Get over it. Are you listening? Let it go. God can't remember. Forget it too and move on. Now you're not letting it go. will only cause you to do it again. Let it go. God loves you. Forget about it. I know you feel bad about what happened. Yes. But if you've asked God to forgive you, he has forgiven you. Forgive yourself and move on. If you refuse to forgive yourself, it will hinder your faith. It will hinder your prayers. You see, a sense of unworthiness and a sense of lack of faith go hand in hand. Amen. So unforgiveness, that's hindrance number one. Number two, and number two is closely related to number one, not walking in love. Not walking in love. Not walking in love. Not walking in love. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Jesus Christ, in that circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which walketh by love. Faith walks by love. Faith walks by love. What does that mean? Two sides to that coin. Number one, the more I understand the love that God has for me, the easier it is for me to trust him. When I know he loves me, it's easy to trust someone who loves you and has your interest at heart. Amen. But the flip side of it is this. See, that love that God has towards me, he has now shed it abroad in my heart so that God wants to love other people through me too. If I refuse to let that love lose, it will hinder my faith also. See, First John 3, 22 says, Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. When he says to do the things that are pleasing in his sight, the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him. So that means we walk by faith. But notice it said because we keep his commandments. It says all the commandments are fulfilled in one word. Romans 13, 10. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to its neighbor. Therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So walking in love will strengthen my faith. We know and have believed the love that God has in our case. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. 1 John 4, 16. Beloved, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. The real index of how much a man knows God is how he treats people. How you treat people. If I want to know how much a fellow knows God, how does he treat people? Our love towards people. If we love him that begat, we love him also that is begotten of him. In the new covenant, there's only one commandment. It's the commandment of love. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So, not walking in love will hinder our faith. First Peter 3.7 says, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto us unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. If you don't treat your wife well, it will hinder your faith, to hinder your prayer life. Yes. And wives too, if you don't submit to your husbands, it will hinder your faith and it will hinder your prayer life also. Where to treat each other with love. We're to walk in love one toward another. See, love is faith's power. 
Knox translation of Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Jesus Christ, not circumcision availeth anything of uncircumcision, but faith which is expressed in love. Amen. We can walk in love. Does love mean mean bobo nice? Doing bobo nice? No. Jesus was walking in love when he changed the money changers out of the temple. So love is not necessarily bobo nice. Walking in love doesn't mean you become a foot mat or a milk toast or you become a rubbish dump. No. You know, but the love of God, we can see what love will do is revealed in the word. That's why we need to feed our love nature on God's word and walk in love according to the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, from verses 4 to 8, we see the characteristics of the God kind of love. The Amplified Version says, Love endures long, is patient and kind, is never envious, neither does it boil over with jealousy, is not boastful of inglorious, does not display itself haughtily, is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride, is not rude or unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Pays no attention to his suffered wrong. Does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices only when right and truth prevail. It bears up under anything and everything that comes. He's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Love's hopes are faithless under all circumstances. And it endures all things without weakening. It says love never fails, never fades out, becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. See, we are love children of the love God. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Love is our nature. We can walk in love. We can walk in love. See, many times people think love is a weakness. It's not. It's a strength. It's a strength. It's a strength. It's actually the most potent characteristic of God is that he is love. Amen. Praise God. So second hindrance, like I said, not walking in love. The third is closely related to that. Disobeying your conscience. Disobeying your conscience. Hindrance number three, disobeying your conscience. Disobeying your conscience. First Timothy 1.19. The Bible says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some haven't put away concerning faith, have made a shipwreck. If you don't want your faith to be shipwrecked, keep a good conscience. 1 Timothy 1.19. Keep a tender conscience. 1 Timothy 4.2. The Bible says, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. A Christian can sear his conscience. If he continues to violate it and violate it and violate it and violate it, and he's just looking for trouble, we're to keep a tender conscience at all times. See, Paul said in Acts 23 1, he said, I've lived before God with a good conscience up till this day. He said in Acts 24 16, he said, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. We're to keep a tender conscience. A tender conscience. I told you of the fellow that was sleeping around without protection even. Now, whether it was with protection or not with protection, it was wrong. But here he was. He wasn't using anything and he said he can't catch any disease. He believes God. That's a bad conscience. 
that that could escape out of his mouth is a bad conscience. That he could even think like that is a bad conscience. You see people who will do 419, come to tithes. That's a bad conscience. Amen. Let's keep a tender conscience. The moment your conscience warns you of wrong, you do wrong and your conscience begins to condemn you over it, straighten it out immediately. If you need to ask someone to forgive you, go ahead and do so. See, 1 John 3, 20 and 21 says, Beloved, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. It says, And if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. The only time we will have confidence towards God is when our conscience is not condemning us. And if you do wrong, your conscience knows. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. It's an inward monitor. That sense of right and wrong. Your conscience is a function of your knowledge of God's word. And that's why you need to train your spirit and build the word of God into your spirit and also keep a tender conscience. Obey, let's obey our conscience. Let's obey our conscience. Let's keep a tender conscience. Now, along this line, let me say this. Look, I'm a faith man. Are you listening? And we should be faith people. Many years ago, I saw in Psalm 91 verse 10, where the Bible says, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. 11 says, For he will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. The Swedish translation says, There shall no accident overtake thee. So I claimed that. That the longest day I live, I'll never have an accident. I never have, I never will. But let me tell you something. Yes, I've released my faith for protection. But if I'm about to travel and I have a check on the inside of me that says, don't go, wait, wait. I won't say, no, I will go. I believe God. I'm protected. If I do that, I am in disobedience. You see, part of the way God is honoring my faith is him telling me, don't go this time. Go that time. Remember in Acts 27, verses 9 and 10, when Paul said, I perceive that this voyage will hurt and much damage, not only of the laden and sheep, but also of our lives. He perceived it. If they had listened to Paul, they wouldn't have lost all they did and almost lost their own lives as a result. So, if we just keep a tender conscience, are you listening to me? If you don't keep your conscience tender, spiritual things will become indistinct to you. Because it's through our conscience, the voice of our spirit that God speaks to us. Keep a tender conscience. Keep a tender conscience. Keep a tender conscience. There are some things some people can do. I wonder how they can do it. Well, they didn't start that way. But they persisted in doing wrong stuff. Until the time came, their conscience, their heart, their hearts got hardened. Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted tender-hearted. Let's be tender-hearted toward each other. Let's be soft-hearted. Don't let's be hard-hearted toward God, toward other believers, toward other people. Let's keep a tender heart. Amen. So, hindrances to faith. We said number one, unforgiveness. We said number two, not walking in love. We said number three, disobeying your conscience, violating your conscience, the hindrance. Well, number four, Lack of knowledge of God's word. Lack of knowledge of God's word. Lack of knowledge of God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There are two kinds of unbelief. One kind of unbelief is the result of a lack of knowledge of God's word. Lack of knowledge of God's word. The reason some people 
can't believe beyond where they are is because they don't know anymore. They don't know better. So lack of knowledge of God's word. What are some areas where people lack knowledge? Some people lack knowledge about the fact that they are new creatures. They don't know what it means to be a new creature. They think all they had was the forgiveness of sins. So because they lack knowledge about the fact that they are new creatures, it hinders their faith. Some people lack knowledge about their place in Christ and Christ's place in them. See, the Bible says in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. See, we are complete in him. So we need to have knowledge of who we are in Christ. Some people lack knowledge about righteousness. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Then 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he has made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Lack of knowledge of righteousness hinders people perhaps more than any other thing when it comes to walking in faith. Lack of knowledge about who we are in Christ. Lack of knowledge of God's word. Lack of knowledge about righteousness. Some people lack knowledge about our legal right to use the name of Jesus. They don't know that name belongs to us. Some lack knowledge about how to act on God's word. Some lack knowledge about our confession in Christ. But you see, a lack of knowledge of God's word will hinder our faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. So that tells us that there is a fight to faith. If there is a fight to faith, then certainly there are enemies to faith. Now, where, what are these enemies? Where are these enemies at? Romans 10.17 gives us a clue. When it says, so then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If God's word is what produces faith, then a lack of understanding of God's word will be a major hindrance to our faith. And like I said, I just itemize different areas where people lack knowledge of God's word. Get the knowledge of the word. See, the greatest resolution you can have this year is that you will grow in your knowledge of God's word. That's the greatest resolution you can have. If your knowledge of God's word grows, the faith will grow automatically and you will grow up spiritually. Give yourself to study the word. Attend to the word. When I went to Rayma, I had an exercise book for each course. I still have those exercise books. I took good notes. When I was taking those notes, it wasn't because one day, I was thinking that one day I'll be teaching some of those classes which is what has happened today. Who knows? Maybe you'll be teaching a class one of these days. And maybe you'll be looking for notes. Take good notes in class. Do the reading assignments. Don't just do those reading assignments so you can get 25 marks. You know, just read through. You know, speed reading. Did you complete the reading assignment for this God? Yes. But then someone asks you, what did you read? I beg my guy. I don't know the thing with the thing they say. I just made sure my eye ran on every page. And I tried to make sure my eye went on every line. I just can't. I just can't through. Listen, it's not your enemy's life. It's your life. Don't treat it like it's your enemy. It's you. Get knowledge of the word. Study it. Apply yourself to it. Amen. Then number five, the fifth hindrance, which is the second kind of unbelief refusal to act on God's word. Faith hindrance to faith. Refusal to act on God's word. See, some people know what the word of God says, but they don't act on it. Refusal to act on God's word. Refusal to act on God's word. 
Hebrews 4.11 Let us labor therefore to enter into his rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. See, the word for unbelief there is unpersuadableness. American Standard Version calls it disobedience. Some people are not persuaded. They know what the word of God says. Like those Israelites, God gave them his word. The promised land is theirs. Go and possess it. They got to the border. They knew what God said. But instead, they rebelled against what God said. They weren't sufficiently persuaded to act on God's word. They refused to act on the word. They refused to act on the word. Act on God's word. Keep the right attitude towards God's word. See, some people are deceived. They have grandiose delusion. Delusions of grandeur. Big time deception. And it wasn't the devil that deceived them. They deceived themselves. How? They know what the word of God says, but they refuse to act on it. They refuse to act on it. Don't be one of such people. Don't be one of such people. Act on God's word. Act on God's word. Act on God's word. What does the word of God say? Act on it. Act on it. Act on it. Praise God. Act on God's word. And with that, we have come to the end of the course. Praise God. Unforgiveness, not walking in love, disobeying your conscience, lack of knowledge of the word, refusal to act on God's word. Praise God. So we'll just take our questions. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have a question, bring it up. Praise God. You know, like sometimes when people are getting married, they say, if you have any reason why they shouldn't marry, say, speak now or be forever silent. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, but this is an opportunity. You have a question. Do I have all the answers? I don't. And I don't claim to, but God's word does. And we'll just endeavor to do the best we can to examine them in the light of the word of God. Praise God. Praise God. Any more questions? One more. All right. Questions, questions, questions. Okay, let me get started because we're going to be out by five. Or I'm going to stop by five. Question. Thank you very much, sir, for my question is, is faith a seed or a gift? It's both. It's both. Jesus said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, so faith works like a seed. And then, uh, Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, the Greek word there was doron. Doron means a present. There's another place where the Bible talks about the gift of special faith. That's something different. That's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. See, the faith through which we were saved was given to us by God. How did he give us? Through hearing his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. What is the difference between believing and faith? Well, one is a verb, the other is a noun. That's all. Faith is a noun. Believing is a verb. That's all. Pistis pistio. Uh, I can get into a little bit of technicality. We say believing is a verb. Faith is a noun. Believe is a verb. Faith is a noun. Believe is the act. That that action is faith. That's being technical. You know? Yeah. 
you know, but they are somewhat synonymous. Okay. Is it possible for one to have faith and keep saying, well, saying by God's word, yet the situation still turns out negatively. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible to be in faith and keep speaking what the word of God says about the situation and for it not to work. It's not possible. This is it. Sometimes, sometimes, let's say for instance, uh, a fellow is believing God for their healing, but they need some help. Their faith is not there. They need medical help. Maybe they need some medication or maybe they need surgery. And the person is confessing. To him, it may look like his faith is not working. No, faith works. It's just that he needs some help. And then there are sometimes some of the things people claim they are believing for, they don't really have God's word for. So they don't have a foundation. And sometimes, let's say a fellow is not working in love or permitting unforgiveness in their heart. It will hinder their faith from working. So there could be different reasons why it seems like a person is not getting results. God's word always works. If you're not getting the results, you're not making your connection somewhere. Now, do you condemn yourself over that? No, you don't. But if you go into the word of God, trusting the spirit of God to illuminate your heart and your mind, he will let you know the adjustments you need to make. Amen. But it's not possible to act on the word of God and for it not to work. Sometimes some situations just require some time. There's a place of having done all to stand, stand there for. You know, so there are times you might need to stand for a bit of time for the situation to change. And there are some times you just need help. Go and get it. Praise God. How do we have faith for the healing of someone who is not aware of his environment? In other words, believe for the healing of someone who is mentally ill. Now, you can have faith in your own life. Your faith will always work for you. Where someone else's life is concerned, you can't always have faith for their healing. No. When your children are under you, you can carry them on your faith. If it is a bona fide baby Christian, you can believe God for the person's healing. Are you listening? You can carry the person in, in faith. But once people have had time and opportunity to grow, to be exposed to God's word, God expects them to start doing some believing of their own. And if they are not, well, it's just too bad. Are you listening? Some cases of mental illness. Some cases of mental illness are caused by demon activity. Some, it's just natural causes. You don't rest, you could break down. You worry, you could break down. So there could be different causes. But can people be helped? Yes. Are there ways to help people? Yes. If somebody is mentally ill, if somebody is mentally ill, if the person is still at the level where you can get across to the person with God's word, then you can use God's word to help them. If they are beyond that place where they can understand God's word, then you have to depend on the Holy Ghost for a manifestation of the Spirit of God. But there's always help in God. Okay. All the faith that Jesus recognized as great faith in the gospel, can we classify them as Bible kind of faith? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Since faith is now, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is it right to use the phrase, I am believing God for? Yeah, I am believing God for. That's present tense. That's now. Provided you're actually believing God for it. 
You know, you know, folks sometimes say things that they don't mean. Amen. I am believing God. That's present tense. That's present continuous tense. Sir, juxtapose, actually, juxtapose. What you said about acknowledging a, a, a something with what Jesus said about Lazarus' death. Okay, acknowledging a, a, a problem. Okay, a person who wrote this, if you know what you wrote, you could just tell us. Juxtaposing a... Okay. Now, when Lazarus was sick and near death, right? You know, Jesus first said that, first and foremost, they told him that his friend was sick. He got there two days after they told him. The guy had been dead four days. Which meant if he went there immediately, he would have died two days. You see that? Well, if we could raise two-day cadaver, we may just make it four days. In case some people think he just took Valium 5 or Valium 10 and had a deep sleep, he's dead. Or he died. Let people know he's really, he really died. Then, you see, what did Jesus say when they said Lazarus was sick? He said this sickness is not unto death. That was Jesus releasing his faith. You know, when he got by Lazarus's tomb, he said, Father, I thank thee that you hear me always. I thank you because you have heard me. What did he say that God heard? See, when he said that this sickness is not unto death, but it looked like what he said did not happen, that things went the other way. Yeah, but what did Jesus do? He held fast his confession. Now, when they told him, he said, well, Lazarus is asleep. Let's go on. He said, if he's asleep, we do fine now. He just took siesta. He wake up. He now said he's dead. Now, the literal Greek actually says he said he died. If he died. You know, he's dead means case closed. He's dead. If he died, died means he died, but I will raise him. Amen. Matthew 9, 18 to 26. Matthew 14, 36. When they were gone over, came Lana of When the men of that place had knowledge of him. When the men of that place had knowledge of him. They sent about into all the country. What knowledge of him did they have? I can tell you what it was. He told them the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So that was the knowledge of him they had. Yes, a testimony can inspire faith. But you don't base your faith on a testimony. The basis of faith is the word of God. And then Matthew 9, that's verse 18. While he spake these things to them, behold, there came a certain ruler, worshiping my daughter is even now dead. Come and lay thy hand on her and she shall live. Now, how did he know that he will live? And then the woman with the issue of blood, when she had heard of Jesus, what did she hear about Jesus? We're not told when she had a testimony. We're just told when she heard of Jesus. You are the one that thinks it's a testimony. Kenneth Higgins said, Jesus told him that the first sermon he preached everywhere he went was that he took his text from Isaiah 61. And said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That when they had a scroll, he read it from the scroll. When they didn't have the scroll, he quoted it. So that was what they heard. That was what they heard. And I can prove that from the Bible, actually. Other than the vision Brother Higgin had. Someone who makes you lose everything you have 
Can you still live together with that one for any reason again? Well, I don't know. I really don't know. It depends. Listen, there are two things. There's forgiveness and there's reconciliation. Forgiveness is independent of the other person. Whether they repent or they don't repent, you are to forgive them. But now, for there to be reconciliation, there will have to be repentance. It's like this. Somebody, let's say he's a good man, but let's say he's somebody who stabs people in the back. He doesn't. He's not that kind of a person. But let's say he was. I'm using him as that example because it's absolutely not him. You know? And let's say he has stabbed me on the back before and I'm seeing him holding a knife. If I have sense, I won't turn and say, look at my back, oh, look at my back, oh. Is that knife on your hand sharp enough? That wouldn't be walking in love. That would be being stupid. You know? So there's forgiveness. There's reconciliation. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. Forgiveness is based, it's just you and God. Reconciliation, however, is based on the person's repentance. Amen. There's such a thing as bringing forth fruit meets for repentance. All right. Many of us have learned a lot in this topic, Faith Foundations. My question is, how do we pray now since the word of God has taken care of all issues concerning us? Again, isn't it not contradicting to Jesus teaching us how to pray? Ha! There are a lot of things to pray. Plenty. Yes. Actually, you can even pray for yourself. You see? You see? You see? There's such a thing as a prayer of faith, which is a prayer to appropriate what already is yours. There's nothing wrong with You can pray for your healing. You can pray for finances. Do you understand? It's just that you make sure you pray in line with God's word. That's all. Amen. A man of God at a time said that God told him he will be president. After the election, he didn't even win in his polling booth. What kind of faith did he exercise? And did he have right to have such a faith? I'm not sure he exercised any faith. Because faith, faith begins where the will of God is known. Was it God's will for him? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not going to be his judge. I'll leave him with God. Do you understand? But I know that if God said it, he'll bring it to pass. Now, the truth is this. Some people, I won't vote for them. That somebody is a Christian doesn't mean he can be a good politician. Does that make sense? Some people can't run their streets. Not to talk about running a state. Not to talk about running a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi... Do you understand? Yeah. It, it, it takes a whole lot. It takes a whole lot to governance. And don't, don't guess. So don't think I'm advocating this person or that person. I'm not advocating anybody. Do you understand? I'm just answering that question. You know, who should you vote for? Well, that's your decision. It's your prerogative. Vote your conscience. What do you do when prayer is going on? And the pastor keeps saying, you are not praying. Pray more. <laughs> As if prayer is heard by its length. Okay, I will say that. I will, I'll tell you something. Paul said, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Let me tell you something. There's quality of prayer. There's also quantity. Yes. Paul said, I would rather speak five words in my understanding that in a public gathering so that people will understand than 10,000 words 
in an unknown tongue. Now, don't take that out of his context. He's not saying you can't pray in tongues for long or you can't pray in tongues in public. But if you call me now to bless food and I start praying in tongues, or as they called me to teach this class now, I came up and I started talking in tongues since 8.30. Nobody else will be edified except me. So I need to say something in a language people can understand. So if he says you should pray, then pray now. If it's prayer time, pray. I, there's, I, all the things I wanted to pray about, I've already talked to God about them. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Yeah. Can't pray in tongues too much. What do you say about pastors? First and foremost, we are not judges of other people. Who are thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. What do you say about pastors that will tell you to seal your prayer with a seed? A faith seed in answer to prayer. It's unscriptural. Totally unscriptural. There's no such thing. Jesus never did it. So, so that that prayer will be answered is a lie. Is it good to sow? It's good to sow. But don't say if you have, you know, what about poor people? Then they can't get any prayer answered. <laughs> Sir, prosperity class will deal more with that question. Sir, can we ask God for forgiveness of sin, especially in a devotion at home? Yes, you can. But the best time is the moment you sin. Immediately ask God for forgiveness. Don't wait until your next devotional time. Just sort it out immediately. And if you didn't do it, and it's your next devotional time you remember, then fix it at that time. So what is... Hey. What if mother and grad, grandmother died of a disease, and as the daughter, you decide to take a vaccine against it in the future? Is it okay to go for the vaccination does it mean that one doesn't have faith? No, it doesn't mean so. It may just mean the person has sense. Yeah. Anything you can do in the natural, it's fine. God's best is that his word is all the medicine we need. But if you need help, get it. If there's, taking a vaccine won't hurt you. Amen. As a pastor, can your faith carry your members? Hmm. If they are baby Christians, you can carry a bona fide baby Christian on your faith. A bona fide baby Christian, you can carry on your faith. Once people have had time and opportunity to grow, God expects a lot more from them. God did not give you faith as the pastor so that the church members can live by your faith. As their pastor, you are to teach them God's word. By you teaching them God's word, they begin to feed their own faith. And then they have a faith of their own. If the member is a baby Christian, yes, you can carry him on your faith. But if somebody has had time, there are some baby Christians who are bona fide baby Christians. But there are some baby Christians that are overgrown baby Christians. They shouldn't be baby Christians anymore. It's like when Paul told the Corinthian church, when, and the Hebrew Christians, when for the time he ought to be teachers. He have need that one should teach you again. So those ones are not, you can't carry those ones. They have had time and opportunity to grow, but they refuse to grow. And the time now is five o'clock. And we are done with our questions. And we are done. Thank you. Information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.